Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Brittany Abrahams. Thank you to everyone for supporting our fundraising push at youhadmeatblack.com slash 100. When Martina asked me to build You Had Me at Black with her three years ago, I didn't estimate the splash or impact we could make. But just last week, one of our storytellers texted me to tell me that You Had Me at Black inspired her to make storytelling take precedence within her personal artistic vision and inspired her to live more truthfully within her relationships. That is what you're supporting when you support You Had Me at Black. These stories are more than entertainment. They truly do change lives and encourage Black people to live more boldly. Our goal this week is 100 contributions of just $10. You can make yours at youhadmeatblack.com slash 100. Okay, let's get into this week's story. It comes from an anonymous storyteller. She's a mother racing against time and the system to get her kids back. Here's what happened. I want you to breathe all this in. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Black. Right in the heart of the city. Black. Man, listen, man. Black, black. This is You Had Me at Black, and we live, baby. I was fresh 19 by the time I had two kids, and I was just running from a really abusive situation that honestly almost cost me my life. And so when I finally broke free, I reached out for help for a program called Safe Families, where basically it's a way for people to get respite from their kids. And beginning of 2014, I met Karen and John, Caucasian older couple. They were social workers, and they were there to be respite and helpful to the family. So I got my first ever break from my kids. and. When I came back, it, it was just easier. And then it, it made me feel even more empowered because I'm like, oh, I have to play in my corner. If something goes wrong, I don't have to worry about when, how, where, or who. And so they ended up becoming my kids' grandparents because they fell in love with my kids and my kids loved them as grandparents. And my kids' dad still weren't close, but we did communicate some so that he could see the girls. And we use Karen and John's relationship as a neutral meeting ground so that there wouldn't be any drama or interaction directly between us. And the kids can still have their dad. And my youngest, Navea, at the time was two. And my oldest daughter, Kevin, was three. My youngest daughter wanted to be a ballerina. And I put her in ballet classes. I always wanted a gymnast, so I put them both in gymnastics to see if one of them was good at that. My oldest wanted to play an instrument. We went and found her lessons for that. We did programs, and, like, I was on the PTA, and I actually went and argued for grants for their school and their school district because, like, I was so involved and so active in their life. And we would chase, like, Santa Claus around. Like, one year, we literally got, like, seven Santa Claus things. Like, we went skating with Santa, breakfast with Santa, lunch with Santa. 
book reading with Santa. Like, it was just fun. And they never not had what they needed. They they just were really loved kids. I let them speak their mind, but I also trained them on respect and manners. And everywhere I went, I got compliments on these kids. I don't know. We were just a normal family. So after building this relationship with John and Karen for three years, I'm talking to Heaven, and she tells me that they feel like I'm not nothing. You know. Grandpa said to try anything, and I'm like, what do you mean, not anything? Like, you didn't do anything with your life. You're not like a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor. And I'm like, well, y'all not going back over there? And then my oldest is like, yeah, they say a lot of bad stuff, but I just ignore them or something like that. And I was like, well, what else do they say in there? And then she sort of kind of just shrugged her shoulders. And so, like, I dropped it at that, but then... Me personally, I've caught John saying like little things towards me. Like when I was moving, because I didn't have an address yet, I was getting like my Amazon stuff from my house shit to his house, to their house. And like one of my packages came while I was there. I opened it and he was like, every time I see a package with your name on it, I'm always scared I'm going to see the red and blue lights outside. And I'm like, why do you say that? And he was like, I don't know. And so I opened up the package, and it was, like, this engraved Bible that I got my oldest daughter. And he was like, I don't know what you got that for because it's not like you believe in God. And, like, that should have been an eye-opener for me, but it wasn't. And then when my daughter came home with the comment that they said that I wasn't anything, that just basically set everything in stone for me. And I was like, you're not going back over there. So... That conversation we had in front of an agency that we were working with at the time. And so one of the agency members went back and told John and Karen that basically I wasn't going to let the kids over there anymore. John and Karen, they started texting me about Tiffany, my ex-girlfriend. She and her daughter had an altercation at her house. So I knew not too long after that. Child Protective Services was going to be knocking on my door. That's what they called Children Services. They came to my home and they basically were like, yeah, so we received this call, physical abuse, and we want to speak to the kids. So they speak to the kids and the kids are like, well, yeah, Tiffany got into it with her daughter, but that had nothing to do with my mom. And my mom diffused the situation. And they're like, well, were you scared? And they're like, no, my mom would never let anything happen to us. I'm sitting on the couch, and they're like, okay, well, theft and solicitation. And I'm like, are you speaking in general? And she's like, no, this is on your background. And I'm like, no, it's really not. Like, you have somebody else's background. I work at elementary school. I just got an FBI and BC, a background check. Like, that is definitely not on it. And so she's like, oh, well, we'll look into it. We'll see. I'm just like, okay. So, and they're like, well, they're going to go John and Karen. And I'm like, no, they have a biological dad. They will go there until y'all's investigation is done. So they take the kids and they go to their dads. And I'm like, you know, after this 30 days, after everything is disproven, they'll be back home. I felt like I had nothing to hide. I opened my door. Well, 30 days go by. 
and we hear like literally no word from Child Protective Services. So their father sends the kids home, and he's like, "Well, we're not hearing from them. They're basically coming home." So they're back at home, and school's about to start, and they randomly pop back up, and I'm like, "Okay, so what is going on?" Because school's about to start, and I need to know where they're supposed to be placed at because. I mean, like, at this point, you're playing with their education. And they, they're they like, well, the dad can enroll him in school. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's dead. So I go over to his house, well, his mom's house, because he doesn't have a house. I'm sitting there, and I'm playing with my kids. And then it's, like, time to leave. And I'm like, okay, well, come on, girls. And he's like, you're not taking the kids. And I was like, no, I really, like, I'm, I'm taking them. <laughs> like, this is over. Like, this is enough. Like, school starts in literally two days. They need to be enrolled in school in the district that they actually live in. And I still have custody. And so, and, like, he barricaded the door. And I already knew that it was going to be a problem. So I called the police. And he, like, shoved me. And my first reaction was to defend myself. And I punched this six-foot-tall, 300-pound man in the face. And after that, I realized, like, they're already trying to basically demonize me. I just need to take this loss and get out of here. So he's like dragging me up and down the hallway. At this point, his mom has my kids barricaded behind him. I mean, they're screaming bloody murder as he's getting dragged up and down this hallway. He picks up this chair and he starts beating me with this chair. The grandma comes to save me after he starts beating me with the chair. Then my oldest daughter comes and starts punching him in the back of the head while the grandma's trying to pull him off. Well, the police pull up, and I have the kids in my hand, and I'm walking out barefoot and bloody. So we go outside with the police, and the police take pictures of me. And, like, basically, my kids tell them the story. I tell them the story. I call two for one kids with children's services, and I'm talking to the casework, and I'm like, listen, my kids can't stay here. They're scared to stay here. And honestly, I'm scared for them to stay here. There's just actual physical altercation. They're not staying here. And the lady's like, well, if you take your kids, your kids will be in foster care by the end of the night. And that's all I had to hear. My mommy sense it kicked up. And I'm like, okay. And I'm telling my kids in the process, like, grab what you need. We're leaving tonight. So we're filling up the car. We all get in the car. The car's fixed. And we drive. I go to my mom's house to get the kids somewhere safe. On the ride, my daughter, she was taking a nap because it's a five-hour drive, and she woke up and she was crying. I'm like, baby, what's wrong? And she was like, I just keep having dreams that daddy's going to kill you. I'm like, baby, that is, he's never going to kill me. That's over. Like, it's all over. And my daughter's birthday was the next day. So we decided to throw her a party. At this point, we're thinking this is just a blast in the past. It was three days ago. We're finally in a safe place. Everybody's back to happy and normal. So we get to Pittsburgh and we're throwing this party. And the like five police cars pull up. My youngest daughter, she's like, the police is here. I'm like, take your sister, go upstairs in the closet, do not come out of that closet, like no matter what you hear, until I can get you personally. So the police walk up on the porch and my whole family barricades the door like, what's going on? They're like, well, we got this call that basically we have to do a wellness check on these children. And like, where are the children? Can we see the children? And my mom is like, no, why? Well, long story short, I'm like, mom, they just want to see the kids. We're going to let them see the kids because nothing's wrong with the kids. So 
I didn't want my kids to be in distress. I'm like, just pretend like we hired you and sing them happy birthday and some big happy surprise. So the kids come down and they sing happy birthday and they're, you know, a little bit of birthday cake with us. And they leave. And now we think this is really the end of it. Now, Child Protective Services start calling my phone. And they're like, if you don't come back right now, the kids are going to be taken. You're going to get kidnapping charges. So they're like, you have a court date tomorrow. You need to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I leave to go get on the road to be at court the next day. I'm like, there's no way a judge is going to take these kids from me. I mean, these kids are well taken care of. They're spoiled. I mean, that's just, I don't know. I get in the courtroom, and I realize they were doing something called an emergency custody hearing. And so... They filed the emergency custody hearing with like all false reports that 14 warrants in different states and I mean, just absurd accusations. So I'm like, yeah, the judge is going to take the kids. And I go in there and I plead my case. You know, the judge tells me like, I understand every sacrifice you made as a mom, but I want to take these kids. So at this point, I'm hysterical and I'm like, what like what am I going to do without my kids? So I lost custody to the state, and my kids were placed with John and Karen. But honestly, I didn't think that it would last past the thirty days before we had court again. I just my kids were coming home, and I knew in that short amount of time that the girls would be okay with Karen and John because they were people that they knew. But after I got to see them and stuff like that, like, you could tell it was a different story. Like, something was up with my oldest. I'm like, something's going on. And they're like, well, Grandma talking bad about you. And Grandpa said this. And they did this to us. And they did that to us. So I ended up finding out that they were giving my kids melatonin two to three times a day, every single day, just so that they would sleep. And it caused my oldest to become overweight. And she went through a really, really bad depression because she was dealing with a bully. And they kept trying to encourage her to be the bully's friend, which, and this isn't a Disney movie, that's not how it really works. She ended up getting like physically assaulted at school. And it just put my baby in a dark hole that was really hard to pull her out of for a parent who saw her for two hours a week. Visits were in an institutionalized building where literally, like, I was in there for two years visiting my kids. And I've seen one white family, and that was after a year and a half of being there. It's all black people and brown people. And you walk in, and it's like literally an office cubicle, no bigger than like a six by six, like it, it's tiny. And and in the door of the cubicles is a chair for the person who watches you to sit. You go in there and sit there and be watched by um, my oldest told me, she was like, I can't tell people that I come here because I'm embarrassed. And I told her, like, it's okay. I don't tell people I come here because I'm embarrassed, too. 
if I've never been in this situation, I would have never known that it was as bad or as segregated as it is. So I'm fighting this battle for two years. I fight this custody battle ultimately to lose. Their father ended up getting granted custody. So now I'm back fighting for permanent placement to go to me. So I was really hoping that somebody hears my story and either knows what to do or wants to do something. Or even somebody who hears my story and they're like, I've been through that too. I know your pain. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our team, head to youhidemeatblack.com slash about us. Peace.